You're listening to Star Wars The Saga Continues. Your hosts, Kyle Avery and Tim Jirasi, are scouring the Holonet for news and bringing you all of the latest updates on the future of the Star Wars universe. And the future is bright indeed, so we invite you to join us on this exciting journey as the saga continues. Always in motion is the future. This is just the beginning. You'll find I'm full of surprises. It's not over yet. No. There is another. Hey there, Star Wars fans. You're listening to another episode of Star Wars The Saga Continues, your podcast for everything Star Wars Episode 7, Star Wars Rebels, and future Star Wars projects with all this new and exciting stuff happening in the Star Wars universe. We've got a lot more new, exciting stuff to talk about today. So, as always, I'm your host, Kyle, and I've got my co-host, Tim, with me. How's it going, Tim? Hey, Kyle. Doing good. Doing especially good today because as we're recording this episode on December 18th, 2013, we are now just officially two years away from episode seven opening up. And that just makes me excited. <laughs> yes, yes. Two years away. I got to do the uh, the fanboys countdown where he's like, you know, one year, 350, 65 days and some change or something like yeah. that. Yeah. <laughs> or I guess it would be one year, 364 days and x number of hours all i know is that a year from today or two years from today i will have already seen episode seven at least once possibly twice depending on how much i liked it because i'll go to the mid i'll go to the midnight show and then maybe i'll go again like the actual day yeah plus too you never know certain theaters might have earlier screenings that are before midnight so we may be seeing it a little bit earlier that's true but i don't know i feel like if you're a hardcore fan you gotta wait for the midnight show like True, yeah. <laughs> I remember when the when JJ Abrams' first Star Trek movie came out back in 2009 and a group of friends got together and kind of dragged me to go see it with them and I was I mean I was kind of interested to see the movie but I was like no I'm a, I'm not a Trekkie I can't go on opening night um but we went to a show at probably I think like 10 o'clock and as we were going in like there wasn't a huge line for the 10 o'clock show but we passed the line for the midnight show that was already forming and that was where everybody had like their spock ears and their starfleet shirts <laughs> on and you know it was all just the casual fans going in for the early show so yeah if you're a, if you're a hardcore star wars fan you get away for the midnight show unless you can't you know stay up that late till like two or three in the morning i did that recently with the hobbit movie that came out um i loved that movie but i went to the midnight show and i had worked all day before that and by the end of it i was just like I really like this movie, but it's long, and I want to go to bed. Or <laughs> well, hopefully, too, there may be even like screenings during the middle of the night, like around two o'clock, four o'clock. Oh, jeez! More movies are doing that now too. When it's a really big one, and they know there's going to be a lot of demand for the midnight showing. Yeah, but, basically, it's kind of like overfill for the midnight show, or pretty like much. overflow. Yeah, it's like if you can't get into the midnight show because it sells out, well, you can go at three in the morning. But that I'm also probably not going to do. I actually saw The Dark Knight for the first time at 3 o'clock in the morning because I actually had midnight tickets. But me and my brother got there kind of late and like the only really good seats were the bottom row up in front. We're like, Uh, this is going to be the first experience seeing The Dark Knight. So we go, oh, there's 3 o'clock showing. Let's just go for that. And that's when we saw it. (laughs) So we went in and it was still dark. And when we came out of the theater, the sun was just coming up. Oh, geez. Yeah. Yeah, I think my sister did that for one of the Harry Potter movies. And she said it was like the worst experience of her life. I was like, yeah, I don't need to do that. <laughs> but I tell you, my ultimate viewing would be that if they had a marathon beforehand, like show all six starting out during the day, like at 12 o'clock noon or something. Oh, heck yes. And well, you couldn't start at 12 o'clock noon. Well, I guess you maybe could. But no, because they probably have to like take breaks in between them. I mean, that would start yeah. at probably like 9 or 10 in the morning. That's true. Because um, I've done an all-day Star Wars marathon before, and that takes like 13 hours. <laughs> I mean, like, it's perfect because the day it comes out, I mean, what are you going to be thinking about all day? Episode 7, and what better way to pass it that than watching all the other Star Wars movies beforehand? Yeah, yeah, and get to see, get a chance to see all of them in theaters again. Exactly, yeah. So that's what I'm really hoping for. Yeah, whew, man. And I'm sure there are theaters that will do that, too, because I mean, more and more of them nowadays are doing these big marathon screenings. I mean, when I went and saw The Hobbit, I went to a double feature where we saw the uh, you know an unexpected journey at nine o'clock and then the desolation of smaug at midnight 
But also, I mean, when the Avengers came out, you could go and see like all four or five Marvel movies before that, um, you know, leading up to that one. So I'm sure there'll be some theaters having Star Wars marathons. And if I don't have, you know, any important work stuff to do or anything, I will definitely be there for that. Yeah, it's going to be great. And just since you're mentioning The Hobbit Desolation of Smog, that was the last movie I really wanted to see this year. They saw it last weekend, which, and I loved it. I thought it was great. But now that I've seen it, it's like, okay, I'm pretty much done with 2013. Let's get it over with. And we have to move on to 2014 because that's when like, the real cool new Star Wars stuff was going to kick in the gears. I was like, 2013, just hurry up and end. Yeah, yeah, because next year we should be getting Rebels and Star or Clone Wars bonus content. and uh, But some pretty cool movies looking like they're coming out in 2014 too. Yeah, I mean, it's Although everyone's waiting for 2015 and for good reason, but 2014 isn't going to be no slouch either. So the next yeah. year is going to be awesome. Yeah, at least in December of next year, we've got the last Hobbit movie to hold us over until December of the following year. Yeah, and hopefully like a, maybe there'll be a trailer attached to it. Teaser trailer maybe, <laughs> I doubt it. <laughs> I'm still hoping we get to be the first ones to see a trailer at Celebration Anaheim. Yeah, maybe just a real teaser teaser or just a local or something and some dialogue spoken over it yeah maybe but i'm also pretty sure that the first trailer they're going to release for it is going to be attached to some disney or marvel movie yeah true because you know they want to keep all their stuff promoting itself and all that but um yeah we'll get to more of that a little bit later with some Disney and Marvel and all that. But uh, anyway, let's see. What's our first uh, piece of Episode 7 related news for the week? Yeah, not too much. Of course, we never got a big announcement that we're still waiting for as far as maybe casting and stuff. But still, stuff here and there. Mainly since our last episode, it's been quotes from Disney executives, really. Because I think one of the recent things was that uh, Bob Iger, I believe, was doing an interview and he said that they're expecting the episode seven script to be into them by January. So it's still not officially done yet where the big shots at Disney have seen it. So what they're expecting it in January. And I don't know about you, but I didn't really take that as too big of a deal, but I have seen online where there's some people saying, Oh, this is bad news for Star Wars. The script isn't even done yet. This isn't going to be good. There's still more problems with it. And I didn't get that vibe at all. I mean, it's still going to be, I think, plenty of time to have it done and get ready to shooting because they're going to shoot in spring 2014, and they're probably just still ironing it out, getting it perfect just the way they want it. So I really didn't take it as a big deal. Just kind of good to know where it's at, where by January it should be officially done. Yeah, and I didn't really have any problems with that either. I mean, I was kind of expecting that. You know, when we heard um, that J.J. Abrams and Lawrence Kasdan were going to be taking over writing the script. It was like, well, what did you expect that they were going to, you know, get it done in like a week? Um, you know, obviously if they have to bring new writers in, it's probably going to take them some time to do whatever rewrites they're going to do. Um, although, you know, like we said, it's not really bringing new writers in because these guys have already been attached to the project for a while, but yeah, you know, I think they just need a little bit of time to, take care of whatever they're going to do. And I, I don't think January seems like too late in the game, I guess. I mean, especially knowing that the film has been pushed back to December of 2015. If they get the script done by January of next year, if they're done shooting by, you know, end of the summer, then they've got, you know, a year and a half to do all the post-production. So um, I'm really not too concerned with the timeline at this point. Yeah, I'm right there with you. And not to make a correction, though, I said it was Bob Iger who said it, but it was actually uh, the Disney Studio chairman, Alan Horn, Alan Horn, who made that comment about the script. So, correcting myself there. Yeah, it's it's usually one of those two guys yeah. <laughs> making some big announcements or something. But, uh, yeah, I mean, so it, at least it's good to know that things are seemingly on track and um you know if if things had to be pushed back further or if they weren't expecting it till later next year or if we hear in january that the script still isn't done then maybe that'll be cause for concern but for right now i'm not worried about it yeah and then another disney executive who is not by Iger or alan horn um the disney cfo uh Jay Rasulo, if I'm saying his last name right, um, it was kind of talking about the new acquisitions of Lucasfilm. And then the subject came out about 
how they're going to approach th- those franchises. And he pretty much made the comparison, which a lot of us have done already with Marvel and how they're going to develop the movies and do those certain properties. He, his actual quote was that you can substitute the word Marvel for Lucasfilm. So it's kind of giving you the idea that what we're already seeing with Marvel, we're going to see again with Star Wars. But I still wonder if um, it's going to be exactly like Marvel, where we know we're going to get the standalone movies, but are they all going to connect in a way where in episode eight or episode nine, we're going to kind of see those seeds that may have been planted, those standalone films come to fruition in those like main movies of episode eight and nine. So to me, that's what it really means if they're going to follow the Marvel route. But it's not just where there's going to be a lot of movies because they're already expecting that. So we'll see if that comes to fruition, if it really is like the Marvel movies where they're, they're connected together and then they're going to see stuff that's in their separate movies combined into the Avengers or something. So we'll see if that all plays out. I mean, it could, but right now I'm still kind of under the impression that the standalone movies are just going to be standalone movies and not necessarily tied directly into episode seven, eight, and nine. Well, I don't think they're going to tie directly into them where, you know, every standalone movie is going to take place like in between episode seven and nine and sort of directly relate to the events and all that. But I do think there could be some kind of tie in there. I mean, like, there's been a lot of speculation that there'll be a Han Solo movie and or a Boba Fett movie. And even if those movies take place like back during the time of the original trilogy or in between episode three and four or something like that, um, you know, we could have a young Han Solo movie where we learn something about Han Solo or meet a character that Han has a relationship with that we didn't know about in the original trilogy. And then that characteristic or that character or that story element could come into play in episode seven or episode eight or whatever. Um, and I've also, you know, I know I've spouted my theory a whole bunch of times that I would love to see a standalone Boba Fett movie. And then at the end of it, we see like a post credit scene like they do with all the Marvel movies where Boba Fett escapes from the Sarlacc pit. And then we see him show up in episode eight or nine or whatever the following main trilogy movie is going to be. So I think there can be ways like that to connect the standalone movies to the trilogy and still not have to have them be like direct sequels to each other and stuff like that. Yeah, that's an interesting point you brought up, too, about post-credits scenes, because when he's talking about copying the Marvel format, that's something that's definitely Marvel, <laughs> where they always have a post credit scene. That could be pretty cool for Star Wars, where you have some after the credits, because I always love those stuff. And you're kind of getting used to it now for all these superhero movies and other kind of geeky movies in general, where there's after credit scenes, and you're kind of disappointed when there's not. So I wouldn't complain at all if Star Wars takes on that model, too, where we can expect a post credit scene. Yeah, I would kind of be on the fence about it just because, really? I mean, well, I mean, I, like I said, it could go one way or the other. On, on the one hand, you know, they've never done that before with Star Wars, and there are certain things you expect to see in a Star Wars movie, and one of them is going to be, you know, the credits with that blue font and the John Williams music playing over that, and, you know, seeing either, like, some sort of comedic scene or a teaser for the next movie in the middle of that could be maybe a little bit jarring for people who are used to seeing their Star Wars movies a certain way. But on the yeah. other hand, it's Well, I would some... save it for d- directly after the credits, like after all the credits, not mid-credits. Uh-huh. Save it for when all the credits are done. Yeah, well, I think they're doing more and more mid-credit scenes nowadays because not a lot of people stay through the entire credits, but... Well, that's their fault. Um, yeah, yeah, it's their fault for missing out. I always want to, like, yell at people when I go see a Marvel movie and yeah. half <laughs> the people get up and leave as soon as the movie's over, and I'm like, uh, guys, there's more, come on. Yeah, there's usually um, more people standing in the hallways exiting than there are people in their seats when they see those post-credit scenes. Yeah, yeah. But um, but then, you know, on the other side of the coin, it's like it could be something interesting to experiment with and see if people like it. And I definitely I, – I think the way I would do it if I were doing these movies is I wouldn't put those post-credit scenes in episodes – seven eight nine but i would maybe put them in the standalone movies maybe giving little teasers as to how the events of those standalone movies are then going to relate to episode seven eight nine um you know although like i said really the only one i can think of so far is just you know showing boba fett getting out of the sarlacc pit but um you know if if there's going to be like some sort of surprise character reveal or something that's gonna sort of tease or hint at a further movie down the line you know i could maybe see that being a fun thing to incorporate so i'm not totally against it it's just you know it's an interesting thing for them to play with that would definitely be new to star wars but um you know i'm sure there are going to be a lot of new things introduced anyway so yeah, yeah. Why not give it a shot? 
Yeah, and having to see previews of some new footage is like the least of our worries to worry about for new changes to Star Wars. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, also, well, too, um, not totally Star Wars related, but still Lucasfilm related, um, it was announced that Disney just purchased the distribution rights to Indiana Jones now from Paramount. So pretty much Indiana Jones is all in their control, which basically means we're going to get some new Indiana Jones movies, which is awesome and fine by me. But the one thing I am curious about is that there are reports and rumors that they may reboot the franchise and just start all over again. Or maybe not reboot, but doing more young Indiana Jones adventures with a new actor. And that's something that's going to take a lot to get used to. And I don't know how I'd feel about an actual Indiana Jones movie without Harrison Ford. So some interesting stuff may be happening in the future for Indiana Jones soon. So we'll have to wait and see. But if Harrison Ford's on board for more movies, I'm on board for it. But I don't know. It's going to be interesting. Yeah, that's... Interesting. I hadn't really heard that. Um, I mean, I heard that Disney had acquired the rights and I had heard some other stuff that, uh, you know, oh, this means we're going to get a new Indiana Jones movie. And somebody asked Harrison Ford about it. And it sounds like it's still like a few years down the line, at least. But um, I hadn't really heard some of the stuff that you were talking about with them bringing in uh, bringing in a newer actor or something like that. And uh, see, that's another thing that I'm sort of on the fence about. Um, just because on the one hand, it's like, it's really hard to imagine Indiana Jones without Harrison Ford. I mean, he's so iconic in that role. And on the other hand, I almost would be interested to see how they would do it with a new actor, but it would have to be somebody who really nailed the part. Um, and you know, we kind of talked about this too, with, uh, the idea of doing like a young Han Solo spinoff movie. It would be cool to go back and see a younger version of that character and to see, a new actor's take on it, but at the same time, it would really have to feel like Han Solo or it would really have to feel like Indiana Jones in order to sell that movie. And if it just feels like, you know, a, a cookie cutter action flick with some young, handsome guy who can't really act all that well, who just happens to be wearing the same fedora, then the fans are going to riot. Either that or people are just going to ignore it and it's going to flop. Um, and I think that's kind of what my reaction would be if they did end up doing one that I didn't like is that, um, you know, I I wouldn't necessarily get like really mad about it or anything, but I'd be like, you know what, I've just got the original movies and those are still good. And I'll just pretend that these ones don't exist because if it, you know, if they try to do a reboot or something, it's not going to be like the star Wars prequels where a lot of people complain that, you know, oh, George Lucas ruined Star Wars and they're so bad and blah, blah, blah. I mean, we've talked about this a lot, how both of us, you know, can appreciate the prequels and they're not as good as the original trilogy, but they're still good films and neither of us are like prequel haters. But there are some people out there who feel like it sort of ruined Star Wars because it's part of the same yeah. mythology. And it's like, um, you know, the episodes one, two and three flesh out the backstories of four, five and six. And you can't really just take some and ignore some because it's all part of one continuity whereas if they reboot indiana jones and say okay this young guy is indiana jones now and you don't like it you can just say well you know what harrison ford is still indiana jones for me and i'm just gonna watch the old movies exactly yeah so i think if they're gonna do a full reboot that'd be the safe way to do it for like just the reasons you said for the diehard fans and then um i was gonna ask you have you ever watched the young indiana jones tv series at all I have not. I've seen little bits and pieces of it, but I haven't watched a lot of it, now. Yeah, I haven't seen it in a long time. I just remember because they had two versions, like Indiana Jones where he was a real young kid, like 9 or 10, and then him as like a teenager, young adult. And I forget the actor's name, but he's actually pretty good as far as like doing the young Indiana Jones. You kind of believe that it was the same character. But yeah, it's just going to be hard to pull off <laughs> depending on what time period they really want to set it in. Because if they want to keep it in the same Indiana Jones time period that the old movies were, then, yeah, it's really have to be a reboot, I think, because you just can't have it take place where the other movies take place and have a different actor in there. Yeah, and, well, the other thing, too, it's like, yeah, you kind of have to keep the same setting as the old movies because I can't really imagine, like, a a modern Indiana Jones with him, you know, running off on adventures in, like, you know, modern-day settings. Um, Maybe you can do time travel. oh gosh but um yeah i don't know it's just sort of one of those timeless things where i mean if you make a movie now about a guy in a fedora fighting nazis it just doesn't quite seem as 
relevant to the time period, I guess. But then, you know, Indiana Jones is still relevant because, like I said, it's just sort of one of those timeless characters. But if they try to reboot it, I don't know if it would work or not. But, you know, if they do want to do more movies, I mean, Harrison Ford's not going to be able to do all that stuff forever. Um, So, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I'm kind of interested and yet at the same time sort of cautious to see where they go with it. Yeah, and I hope they don't go where Shia LaBeouf's going to take over as the new Indiana Jones as his son. I hope they just leave that alone from Crystal Skull. Because <laughs> yeah. I, I like Crystal Skull. I thought it was good. But I hope the thing of setting up a Shia LaBeouf being the next in line to take over the movie franchise, I, I didn't think his character was that good enough to do that. And the, no, one of the I best parts of the either. movie was at the very end where he's about to pick up the fedora, but then Indy takes it away from him. Like, nope, not yet. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I, I don't think I'd want to see him sort of taking over, like I said, in the same continuity where it's like, okay, now Indy's gone, but it's his son kind of doing the same thing. Like, if they're going to have a younger actor, I kind of would rather just see a reboot. And, you know, it wouldn't even have to be a reboot necessarily in the sense where they're like, okay, we're just redoing it from the beginning. But, you know, because that's the other thing is Indiana Jones is one of those characters where you can kind of just tell a bunch of adventures that he has. Um, because all the movies, they don't quite follow as tight of like a continuity as Star Wars, where there's like yeah. all these intricate plot threads going on with, you know, what's happening in the galaxy and all that. It's like you could easily make up a movie set in between or before any of the other Indiana Jones movies and just have it be an entertaining story about him you know, running around and cracking his whip and digging for treasure and all the stuff that he does. That would be funny. I wanted this to actually even be considered by them if they are going to do a young Han Solo movie and they get a new actor to do it and he's a great young Harrison Ford, would they actually use that same actor to do a young Indiana Jones too? Just, just pretty much to have this guy be the new Harrison Ford for the... <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. That's It's possible, but he would have to be really good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, big shoes to fill, no doubt. <laughs> oh, <laughs> yeah. Both of them. Huge. <laughs> But yeah, I don't know. It's, it's all interesting stuff to think about. But of course, for now, I'm sort of more focused on Star Wars than Indiana Jones. But, um, you know, if they're eventually going to do more Indiana Jones movies, too, then, yeah, bring it on. That'll be fun to see. Exactly. Yeah. Just more good stuff to look forward to in the future. Yeah, definitely. But uh, yeah, I mean, moving on from that, we've got actually quite a bit of video game news um that's come up in the past few weeks and a lot of it mobile gaming related we've got lego star wars the complete saga is now out on the apple app store um also star wars knights of the old republic which has been out for a few months on the ipad is getting a big update um (laughs) supposedly as we speak like we're recording this on wednesday the 18th and this thing is supposed to come out either like sometime tonight or tomorrow um, there's going to be an update for it that improves the visuals and also makes it a universal app so that it runs on both iPad and iPhone. I'm super excited for it. It was $10 and just went on sale for $5. And so as Tim and I were talking, like getting ready to record this episode, I was just like, you know what? Screw it. I'm just going to buy the iPad version. And then as soon as the update hits, I'll just update it and have it available for, you know, for my iPhone. Um, so where's your download at now, Kyle? Give us. I think my download is done. Oh, perfect. I'm done downloading the iPad version, and now I'm just waiting for... Oh, yes, there it is. Stop. Okay, yep, the update is How available. How timing is that? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so you all know what I'm going to be doing as soon as we're done recording this episode. Um, <laughs> looks like there's also an update for LEGO Star Wars and some other apps, but yeah, I downloaded KOTOR first. I didn't even click the Update All Apps button in case it put KOTOR like at the bottom of the list. Uh, like, this is the only thing I'm downloading right now. Um, and I hope it doesn't slow down our Skype connection speed as we're recording this. But uh, yeah, so that's out. If you've got an iPhone and you want to play Star Wars Knights of the Old Republic, it's available now and it's on sale down from $10. It's now for $5. Um, and, you know, maybe I'll talk about that some more on our next podcast. But for now, obviously, I can't really give any impressions on it. Uh, not for the next half hour or so, anyways. Unless but, you want us to do a podcast where Kyle displays Knights of the Old Republic and he just keeps giving us an update on what he's doing in the game. <laughs> I think it would be an hour-long podcast of me going, holy crap, I can't believe I'm playing my favorite Star Wars game of all time <laughs> on my phone. 
But uh, yeah, I mean, I have played quite a bit of Lego Star Wars on my phone. That's a lot of fun. Um, and we've also got a new Star Wars game that just got announced a couple of days ago, Star Wars Attack Squadrons. And this is going to be a free-to-play online game. Um, presumably, you know, you'll probably just play it on your web browser or maybe it'll be a download client or something like that. But um, this is coming from LucasArts and Disney Interactive and uh, another studio called Area 52, I think. And it's just going to be like an online, uh, basically it looks like an action, you know, sort of dogfighting game with X-Wings and TIE Fighters and stuff like that. And they said as the game, um, you know, basically as it develops, they'll uh, give more updates about more ships that you'll be able to use. So it's not just X-Wings and TIE Fighters. Um, if you look at the screenshots that they have available on the website, it actually looks like there's some X-Wings and TIE Fighters dogfighting. But in the background, there's like the remains of a um, like a Trade Federation battleship, like the one Anakin blows up in Episode 1. So I'm assuming that there will be some prequel trilogy ships in there. Um, and also, I was reading the information on the website, and it said that, like, they're going to continually update the game with new ships and all that. So if they don't have prequel trilogy stuff at launch, I'm sure they'll eventually add you know, Naboo Starfighters and Vulture Droids and ARC-170s and all that good stuff. Um, so yeah, not, like, a huge Xbox One release or anything like that, but uh, something that looks like it could be kind of fun. You can go over to the website right now. Um, basically, just go on StarWars.com, and there's a link to it. Um, it'll have like the information and then a link to the main page, which I think might be StarWarsAttackSquadrons.com. Um, let me check that real quick. But I think that's what the website is. But yeah, you can... pretty basic. It's actually StarWars.com slash AttackSquadrons. Okay. Yeah, but I, I think that redirects you to a website with a longer name. But yeah, if you go to StarWars.com slash AttackSquadrons, that'll get you there too. Um, and uh, yeah, it looks pretty fun. And you can sign up for the beta right now. And uh, I think it's a closed beta that's going to start early 2014. So um, I guess if either of us end up getting into that, because Tim, you said you signed up for that too, right? Yeah. See if yeah. So <laughs> if any of us or if either of us get accepted for that, we can uh, keep you guys updated with some impressions and see how the game's going. Um, see, my sort of uh, impression right now of sort of guessing how the game might play would be kind of similar to the Galactic Starfighter expansion that just recently launched for Star Wars The Old Republic. Um, so I'm like, well, there's kind of a lot of free-to-play multiplayer space battles happening all of a sudden. But um, yeah, that just launched for Star Wars The Old Republic, although it's in the early access phase right now. So like, I'm a subscriber to the game, so I got access on December 1st. And I think I don't think the the expansion becomes available for everyone for free to play until like January or February. But that's pretty fun so far. Um, it's definitely a huge upgrade over what the Old Republic originally had for space combat, which was basically just sort of these linear Star Fox type yeah. <laughs> missions where you're just flying your ships through some asteroids and then some Imperial ships fly by and you try to shoot them and you're you know, basically have an objective. You're trying to protect a ship or blow up a space station or something like that. And it was kind of fun, but it's kind of just like a fun little distracting time waster. And I never really played more than a handful of those missions with any given character. But now that they've got this multiplayer update, it starts you off with three ships and then there are more ships you can buy. And there's like a ton of different upgrades for your ship that you can buy. And um, you know, you can swap out the weapon systems and the engines and all this kind of stuff. And you can't buy it with, like, your regular in-game money, but as you play uh, space battle missions, you get uh, this special kind of money called, like, fleet requisition or something that you basically can only use to upgrade your ship. Okay. And uh, like I said, you can purchase new ships, you can purchase all kinds of upgrades and paint jobs and different weapons and all that kind of stuff for your ships. And then you can also swap out your uh, your different companion characters that you have with you. You can kind of slot them in different parts of your ship as like your co-pilot or your engineer or something like that, and that'll give you different buffs. And then the gameplay itself is, uh, I think they only have one gameplay mode on there right now and two maps, but I'm sure as time goes on, they'll add more gameplay modes and more maps and things like that. But um, right now it's kind of like a, um, I don't know, maybe like King of the Hill or something like that, like you would play in Call of Duty or something where basically you have like three bases on a map and you try to fly close to that base and you'll 
um, you know, capture it for your team and then it'll spawn turrets and you try to defend it from the enemy players. But I mean, it's all pretty fun. And the way that the actual space combat itself plays out is a lot of fun too, as you're, you know, just flying around dog fighting and it's totally open. It's not, you know, all linear and on rails like it was before. So I'm enjoying the crap out of that. And then with this, uh, new attack squadrons game, I'm like, you know, I kind of hope they do something new with it, but I would also be pretty happy if it was pretty much the same system with just X-Wings and TIE Fighters. That would be pretty cool, too. Is the Old Republic uh, expansion, does it kind of like Battlefront 2, where if you wanted to, you can get off your ship, like attack these like big attack ships and like exit out of your small ship and kind of take over it? Or is it kind of you're just in your ship the whole time? No, it's just, it's all in your ship the whole time. Um, <laughs> I was going to say, you know, obviously... Nice- uh, oh, comparison what? to Battlefront until the new one comes out, but <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's yeah, it's not really all that similar to Battlefront, um, just because there's actually a lot more complexity to it, honestly, because um, you know in Battlefront you couldn't like upgrade or customize your ships or anything like that, and uh, you know I, I guess it is a little bit similar in the fact that Battlefront kind of did have different classes of ships. You'd have your attack ships like your X wings, and then you'd have your light interceptors and your bombers and your gunships and um, the Old Republic kind of has the same thing, but it, yeah, it just seems a, a lot more in depth as far as what you're trying to do and the, just the different ways you can upgrade your ship and customize it and stuff like that. But it's a lot of fun. I'm enjoying it so far. In fact, since I got the Starfighter expansion, I've played with one character and I haven't left the, uh, the cantina that I'm in on the planet because basically how it works is, you know, you're playing your regular game with your character that, you know, runs around on foot or whatever. And then um, there's like a separate menu for the space battles and you just go into a queue for, um, you know, to match you up with other players. And so uh, you'll, you know, join a queue to be entered into a space match and then just keep running around doing your thing. And then you'll get like a pop-up message when it's matched you up with a game and then you join the game and you're in a menu, you know, waiting for the game to start. So, I've just been playing these space battles over and over again and doing like nothing with my actual character. <laughs> Does it level you up at all? Like at least give you some money or points or experience yeah, points? Yeah, you, in the game? yeah, you get credits and experience points uh, for every battle that you play. I've leveled up twice doing just space battles. Oh, nice. <laughs> and I'm a, a fairly high level too. I mean, the max level in the game is 55 and I just hit 41 with my character. So at this point, it takes a while to level up. Like you have to finish a lot of quests. And so I'm just like, wow, I've leveled up twice already. That's a lot of space battles. <laughs> and I got to get back to doing some of my main story quests before I'm like way too overpowered for all of them. You see, I like that though sometimes. <laughs> I remember when I played Final Fantasy VII for the first time, I just kept leveling up and leveling up. And I was at like pretty much maxed out level 99. And like some of the hardest bosses in the game was able to beat like really quickly without much trouble. <laughs> <laughs> well, see, I like being a little bit overleveled. Like every quest in the game it gives you like a recommended level for it and then all the enemies you fight it tells you what level they are and i usually like to be about two or three levels higher um and so i'm on balmora right now and the the, sort of the level range of the planet is like 32 to 36 and uh, but i just hit 41 and i'm like okay i'm starting to get a little too far ahead of where i want to (laughs) be but uh yeah so i mean that's pretty cool and like i said between the Starfighter expansion and the Tax Squadrons and Lego Star Wars and KOTOR on mobile devices. I'm like, suddenly things are kind of starting to look up. In fact, it wasn't all that long ago when I was complaining about the lack of good Star Wars games on iPhone. And suddenly with <laughs> KOTOR and Lego Star Wars, my opinion on that has completely flipped around. Um, you know, it would still be nice to have something new, and I would still love to have any form of a mobile Battlefront game. Um, also pod racing, I think would be really cool on the iPhone, but just the fact, yeah, it's, it's like, I'd love to see some sort of new star Wars game, but the fact that we've got ports of two of the greatest star Wars console games of the past 10 years or so, I'm like, yeah, I'm pretty happy with that right now. Yeah. I mean, we're just like a few episodes, well, I shouldn't say just a few episodes ago, but some of our early episodes where I, where LucasArts closed up we're like oh star wars and video games is looking pretty bleak but oh yeah like you said we got the battlefront announcement a few months ago and now the iphone and mobile stuff is getting some games and now with this announcement of attack squadron i mean the battlefront is going to be the next big game that you and me of course i just can't wait to play but the attack squadron should be a 
like a pretty cool distraction of a game to hold me hold this over till that. I mean, I'm not really a PC gamer, and if I do get accepted into the beta, I'm gonna have to probably get some type of controller or joystick because I don't think I want to play this just with a keyboard and mouse. <laughs> I usually don't like playing PC games that way. So the game looks pretty cool. The trailer was pretty neat. It was just a CG trailer. It didn't give you too much of the gameplay. But yeah, I, when I first saw it, I was like, okay, it didn't blow me away. I wasn't super excited for it. But it just like, yeah, it's going to be pretty cool. Some uh, good ways to pass some time and a Star Wars game to hold us over till Battlefront. So I'm definitely going to give it a try. Yeah. Now, one one uh, kind of negative thing on the downside as far as gaming news is uh, I have heard some rumblings, I guess, that um, Battlefront might get pushed back a little bit, not because of any delays with the actual production of that game, but because, um, I don't know if you've heard about this, but apparently DICE is having some problems with Battlefield 4, and it's been sort of buggy or glitchy or whatever. And I was talking to a friend of mine who knows a lot more about gaming than I do, and he was saying that um, it's something to do with they're having like online server issues and people aren't matching up correctly in online games and stuff like that. And so um, it seems like DICE for the time being is sort of pouring all their resources into getting that problem fixed since that game is already out and they want people to have, you know, the best experience playing that game as possible and, you know, get a quality product for their money that they've already spent on it. And so some of their upcoming projects like Battlefront and Mirror's Edge and some other things like that, they're, um, sort of taking second priority to getting Battlefield fixed. So hopefully they can get all that worked out as soon as possible and we can get things back on track with Battlefront. Yeah, I haven't heard that myself, but that's kind of disappointing to hear. I mean, they've made, this is their fourth Battlefield game. You think they'd have the online and networking stuff all worked out before? Because <laughs> it seems like that's always a problem with some of these multiplayer games. It's like the online stuff is just not where it should be. Yeah. They have to release all these patches for it, but yeah. But I'm yeah. also not sure if that's with the Xbox 360 and PS3 version of the game, or if it's with the next gen versions. And you know, maybe they encountered some problems that they weren't expecting with the next gen consoles because they haven't. You know, obviously that technology hasn't been quite as well tested and experimented with and everything. So. Um, I mean, it doesn't completely surprise me that they have problems, especially because I've heard that they were trying to do some big, ambitious things with this game. And so, you know, trying out some stuff that they've never done before, you know, doesn't really surprise me that they encounter some unexpected bugs and glitches and stuff. But I just hope they can get it all resolved as soon as possible. Yeah, the one good thing about that is hopefully if it is like problems that happen with the next-gen consoles is that just get all the bugs out now, learn from this, and hopefully Battlefront will just have an even smoother online experience where they can get all the kinks out and learn from what happened with this situation with Battlefield 4. Yeah, exactly. But, uh, yeah, that's all the gaming stuff. And then, um, like we were talking about, the other thing we've got to look forward to next year, um, we've got Attack Squadrons and then also uh, Star Wars Rebels and the Clone Wars bonus content. We've got some more updates on those, right? Yeah, so... First of all, let's start off with the Clone Wars because out of everything that's going to happen in 2014, right now, that's what I'm really most excited for. I mean, Rebels are going to be awesome, but I just can't wait to see this Clone Wars bonus content stuff. And uh, Just recently, there's been uh, reports, actually. Well, I shouldn't say too much of a report, but actually some tweets <laughs> that went out that probably shouldn't have gone out from a former Clone Wars writer, uh, Brent Friedman. I believe he wrote the episodes like the Reiko and everyone's favorite, the droid arcs. <laughs> but um, he actually sent some tweets out maybe about two weeks ago where kind of asking people, just general fans, saying, hey, there was a Clone Wars uh, screening for the new Yoda arc coming up at Lucasfilm. I couldn't make it, but would love to hear what the fans thought of it. They just got bombarded with response to saying, what? There was a screening for it? There was no nothing announced or fans weren't invited. Then after a few of those tweets, he sent another one out. Oh, just realized it must have been a cast and crew only screening. I will say no more. <laughs> kind of backtracking it, wish he never said anything about it. But I just personally think it's cool to know that we knew already that these episodes were finished since Dave Filoni announced that all those episodes and production was done on Clone Wars. But now that they're actually screening them, because there's actually been a few uh, Twitter pictures going around with some of the cast from Clone Wars at Lucasfilm. There was one where Dave had was holding the Emmy, and then you see the different cast members like James Arnold, James Arnold Taylor, Ashley Eckstein, kind of surrounding him with a photo, and so it kind of 
just goes into what Brent Friedman was saying in his tweets about how there was a cast and crew screening. So I'm just hoping that they had that first um, screening for the cast and crew to kind of get their maybe opinions on it. I just wanted to do something special for them since they worked on the show. And maybe that's the first step that's leading towards getting some announcements for when we're going to see them and maybe get that trailer that's been rumored going around actually officially released on SawWords.com. So when I heard this, I just thought to myself, this is hopefully the first step in us getting to see the bonus content, like get it out to the Lucasfilm cast and crew first, and then they're going to start generating news and hopefully the actual episodes themselves to us, for the general public audience. So still waiting for that official announcement, but I think we're just getting moving closer and closer to actually getting some stuff. So yeah, like I said, I can't it... wait to see these episodes. So when I heard that it got screened, it's like, okay, we're getting close. We're getting closer. So I just can't wait to get more information on them because I just think they're going to be amazing. Yeah, that would make an awesome Christmas present if they announced in the next week or so just when we can expect to see those. I know because Dave Filoni said early 2014, and I'm just hoping maybe not the official or early. I know we're not going to get to see any of the episodes before the year's end, but let's hear something before the year's over to get us excited for the beginning of next year, whether it's the trailer or just the announcement of how and when we're going to see them. Yeah, definitely. Although, again, if we don't see it by the end of this year, I'm sure probably within the first month of 2014, if they are going to stick to their word and let us watch those episodes in, you know, starting sometime early 2014, um, especially the rumors that we talked about on our last episode where they're possibly just going to air those episodes on Disney XD. I mean, they could air them just all at once as like a big batch or, you know, they could air them like once a day during weekdays or something like that. But if they're going to air them you know, once a week on Friday or Saturday or something like they did with Clone Wars on Cartoon Network, then you'd think they'd have to start pretty early in the year if we've got at least 10 episodes and maybe more. Like we talked about, um, you know, Pablo Hidalgo tweeted that he wasn't quite sure if that number of 10 episodes was right. Um, You know, if we're going to get 10 or more episodes and they're going to air them like before the summer, because that's when they're going to start sort of building up the hype for Star Wars Rebels. And we're going to have the premiere sort of hour long special for that. You would think they'd have to probably start, you know, February or March at least. Um, I'm hoping earlier because, you know, obviously, like you said, I want to see those as soon as possible. And I'm excited for Rebels, but I think I'm at least at this point, more excited just to wrap up the Clone Wars and get yeah, to see those final same. episodes. And then I'll start really kind of getting my Rebels excitement kicked into high gear. Although it also is kind of hard to get really excited at this point when we haven't seen any footage or anything like that. So, um, you know, as soon as we start seeing clips and trailers and stuff for Rebels that don't involve talking llamas or rapping llamas. Oh, man. Oh, man. <laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll get to that in a second. But um, Yeah, hopefully the bonus content trailer will have none of that. Yeah, oh, jeez. <laughs> But, uh, yeah, you know, obviously Clone Wars is already sort of tried and true and we know how awesome that show is. And so I just can't wait to see a few more episodes of it. Yeah. Plus, I just think, too, I mean, Dave Filoni said it since these bonus content episodes were announced was that these are some of the best Star Wars and Clone Wars episodes that we've done. And I fully believe him when he says that because he's been right about that on all the other times he said that. So I just really can't wait to see this stuff. And I just truly believe that it's going to be a nice way to wrap up the whole series maybe not story-wise where all the loose ends and everything gets wrapped up but as far as thematically and just on a grand scale of how they're going to be i think it's going to be a fitting conclusion to the series especially that yoda arc from the rumors i'm hearing and kind of what we talked about last time about maybe him going to corban and dealing with sith lords voiced by mark hamill i mean that's a pretty epic way to end the series I oh think. my gosh <laughs> how cool would that be you know it was funny since our last episode i think i had a dream about that where I was like, no, I, I had a dream that I was reading a website where it had descriptions of all the episodes that were coming up for the bonus content. Uh-huh. And it was just those 10 episodes that we talked about, like the, um, you know, the order 66 arc and the, um, what is it, the Yoda arc? Oh, and then the Clovis arc. And then like, as I was reading these descriptions, the website kind of refreshed itself and it like inserted the four Boba Fett arcs episodes into the middle of this description. And I was like, yes, we're getting more episodes. So yeah, hopefully that happens. Maybe I'll be like Anakin and have, you know, premonitions. Hmm. Yeah. Hopefully those ones are true. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And, And they are not of pain and suffering and death. Yeah, man, I would have been real disappointed after I woke up from that dream. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, um, not 
this is not so much Clone Wars news, but kind of Clone Wars related. But a rumor has been going around as far as maybe Disney venturing into the Netflix realm as far as producing original content. And this is coming from um, Yahoo News, where they said that there could be possibly a Cad Bane Netflix series maybe in the works. And since this got announced, there's been reports saying this was an idea that's kind of really, really in the early stages and nothing's set in stone or concrete. And maybe even the Cad Bane idea fizzled out. I mean, we don't really know. It's just a rumor. But just the fact that they're considering doing original content for Netflix, I think is a really cool idea. And we'll see if it's Cad Bane. I mean, Cad Bane would be a pretty cool miniseries to, to watch. But I just like the idea of this, the possibility of having new Star Wars content in the Netflix model because Disney's already doing that with Marvel. I mean, they're getting like a Daredevil series, an Iron Fist series, and some other ones. And so it just makes sense for them to do the same thing with Star Wars. So really hope this is a rumor that comes true. I and mean, just the possibilities, again, are endless, kind of like the standalone movies where maybe the real major characters will get that. But then some maybe the lesser known ones or but fan favorites like Cad Bane will get the Netflix treatment. So, yeah, I think it's a cool possibility that I'm really hoping ends up being true. Yeah, well, you know, some something else that kind of gets me excited with that possibility is if they do go the Netflix route, you, you, that kind of gives you an opportunity to get a little bit more into some of the, the niche audience type stuff because, um, you know, I was thinking about with Cat Bane, I was like, man, he's such a cool character, but he almost seems like one of those characters that could get a little bit stale if you watch like a 22, you know, a full season of like 22 episodes just about him. Because I think he works better when he's just sort of pops up every once in a while and is a thorn in the Jedi's side. And, you know, he's there for just like a, a story arc in one season of Clone Wars and kind of does his thing and he's really cool. And I don't know if he could really sustain like a full long series like that. But with the kind of stuff that they're doing on Netflix nowadays, when it seems like more and more series that they have on there are you know, it's like a 13 episode season or 10 episodes or something. And it's shorter than sort of what we're used to on mainstream, like American network TV. And so you could do maybe a mini series or a shorter series or something like that. But then when you also consider, I mean, I know on the Xbox one, they're thinking about doing some original programming on there and having like a halo TV series type thing. And um, with all this sort of niche content that you get into on internet and game consoles and Netflix and stuff like that. I think that would be a perfect place to do some adaptations of like KOTOR or the force unleashed or something like that, that I think fans would love to see like live action or even animated um, adaptations of, but that might not be as well suited to doing like a big screen feature film because just not as many people know about that. And it might not reach as big of an audience you know, doing some sort of online distribution type stuff for that stuff could be really cool. Yeah, that's a really great point. I didn't even think about that. It's like doing those direct adaptations because I love seeing adaptations of stuff. And I, it's always something I'd want to see on the Star Wars front because there's tons of cool novels and comics that would make for a great, either live action or animated adaption. So yeah, that'd be really cool if they do that. And they didn't say in this rumor report is if this Netflix series were going to be live action or animated. But I think it'd be cool if we kind of got a nice mix of both because we know how awesome Clone Wars looks and I'm sure they'd have a nice budget to do a cool live action uh, miniseries. So I'm hoping for a nice mix because I think having both would be the best of uh, both worlds, really. Yeah, I think if they're going to do a Cad Bane series, I think it might be better suited to animation just because that's the format that the character originated in anyways. Um, and maybe they could even like reuse some assets from the Clone Wars series and not have to like redo a bunch of stuff. Cause I'm sure if they're just putting on, on Netflix, it's probably going to be a smaller budget than, you know, episode seven and rebels and sort of their mainstream stuff. But, um, yeah, I mean, I would love to see if they did end up doing more star Wars content on there in the future and, you know, a variety of whether it's, you know, made for Netflix movies or TV series or anything like that. Um, you know, a nice mix of like some animated stuff and some live action stuff. Yeah. Just more con- Star Wars content for us, the better, <laughs> at least for me anyway, we got TV shows, movies coming out. And then if Netflix is just another way for us to get Star Wars content. I mean, I'll sign up for it right then and there when it's officially announced. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Because, you know, and that's a thing where I think, um, you know, we've talked about with Star Wars movies coming out every year, how it could maybe get oversaturated, 
But if they're like Netflix series and stuff like that, I don't think that would be oversaturated because that would be – it seems like that would be just another addition to the tons of Star Wars games and comics and novels and everything that we already have coming out. Exactly. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, whereas you know, doing a, a feature film every year might seem a little bit oversaturated just because we're so used to Star Wars movies coming out every three years and every new release is a big deal and it's like a big event movie and so – it's, it's almost kind of hard to imagine, like, what's it going to be like having one of those every year? But having a bunch of smaller Netflix series and stuff, it's just going to be like watching Clone Wars and playing video games and reading comics and all that kind of stuff. It's just going to be more, you know, it, it'll be a new tier to the already multi-tiered expanded universe. Yeah, exactly. And I'm sure we're going to, or at least Disney's going to first test this out with their marvel series coming out to netflix and i'm sure that'll give us a good idea of kind of if it's successful what we can expect for them to do on the star wars front if they do decide to go forward with it yeah in fact i almost wish they would just jump in with star wars because uh, i mean it, this is maybe harder for me to judge than for you because i know you're a bigger comic book fan than i am but with some of these marvel series that they're talking about focusing on some of the lesser known marvel heroes I'm like, okay, that's cool. I might check that out on Netflix. But obviously, I would be much more inclined to watch a Cad Bane series than, you know, some other Netflix series about a superhero that I've never heard of who's, you know, playing second fiddle to all the big main uh, Marvel heroes. And so I just think having the Star Wars brand name on there is already going to be, you know, the, the advertising that they need. So. Yeah. Um, yeah. At the same time, I think from from a business sense, it does make sense that like if they, if they've already got a deal lined up with Marvel, um, that you know they might want to test the waters first with that, or just that that's developing first, and that Star Wars will just naturally come afterwards. But I I have a hard time seeing how that could fail because there are a lot of Star Wars fans out there who would eat up you know extra Star Wars content on Netflix. Oh yeah, <laughs> definitely yeah. I mean, yeah, the Marvel audience is going to be big for those shows, but yeah, Star Wars would at least double that. Yeah. Yeah, and then uh, another thing we've got with Rebels is there have been a couple of videos out since we did our last podcast. There was one that just came out with Simon Kinberg and then one that came out kind of right after we released our last episode with uh, Greg Weisman. And they're kind of introducing these two guys as, um, you know, newcomers to the Lucasfilm family and guys who are, you know, obviously going to be instrumental in making Star Wars Rebels and just talking a little bit about themselves and their careers and then their relationship with Star Wars and why they love it and working on Rebels and what's that, what that's been like. Um, and specifically in the Simon Kinberg video, he talks a lot about uh, creating the Inquisitor and what it's like creating a new Star Wars villain. So if you guys haven't seen those videos yet, we've got links to them on our Twitter page, and you can find them on the official Star Wars YouTube channel. And those are uh, some pretty cool videos to check out. Obviously, still no actual trailers or footage or anything of Rebels, but uh, it's cool to see that behind-the-scenes stuff, too. Yeah, I've really been loving these videos. And like you said, they're not showing anything new, really. And you see all the storyboards laid out on these walls, but a few of them are kind of blurred out. Yeah, yeah, I really see it. I love that because I'm. It just makes me curious. Like, ooh, what's what really cool stuff are they storyboarding that you know they they have to hide from us? Yeah, exactly. I mean, I was going for, uh, frame by frame when they had those shots to see if I could spot anything, but nothing really too new that I spot. I kind of saw a figure that kind of looked like a Zabrak, but I kind of figured it's probably just the Inquisitor, maybe some early concepts of him. So, but yeah, there was other ones that were blurred out and there was some computer monitors with blurred out screens because you had uh, two monitors side by side. One of them had the TIE fighter model. Then the other side had an Imperial officer, but he was blurred out and you really couldn't see who he was. So <laughs> it's like, is that a main new character or maybe Tarkin or somebody? So they're still keeping tons of secrets about it, but yeah, it's just these videos are cool to see. And the one things I just take away from watching both of these videos with Greg Wiseman and Simon Kinberg is just their enthusiasm and passion that they have for Star Wars. I mean, it really shows when they're talking about it, how they've been lifelong fans, and it's just a dream come true for them to be working on a Star Wars property. I like how Simon Kinberg said in his video, like his favorite things growing up were comics, Star Wars, and Sherlock. And he got to work on comics writing the X-Men first class scripts, he wrote Sherlock, and now he's doing his ultimate Star Wars. So, I mean, Rebels is definitely in good hands. I mean, we knew that along, all along with Dave Filoni being at the helm, but it just reinforces it more so when you watch these videos with Craig Wiseman and Simon Kidber. They just love it so much, and 
man, I just can't wait till we get that first sneak peek at it, some actual footage or a trailer. And then when the show actually comes on, it's just going to be great. I can't wait for it. And these videos are helping me kind of pass the time go where it's not an excruciating wait to <laughs> Rebels to premiere. This is uh, easing the pain a little bit, I guess, until we actually see an episode. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's the great thing about it is like, it's one thing to know that you have great, talented, experienced artists working on this show who have worked on other successful movies and TV series before. But then it just takes it to a whole nother level when you know that they know what they're doing and they know their craft, but they also really love the source material and they're just really excited to be working on Star Wars. It's like, yeah, I, I trust that these guys are going to make us an awesome Star Wars show. Yeah, without a doubt. And I see on Twitter, too, there's still the skeptics out there where they're really not sure about Rebels, how it's going to be. But I think it's going to be the same thing like Clone Wars, because I've heard the exact same thing when that first started. But then when you actually see some episodes, and you're just going to realize how great and awesome it is. Yeah, so. well, and you know what? I still have some friends who still don't like the new Clone Wars series, and you're not yeah, going to yeah. be able to please everybody. But, like, uh, I have, I still have DVDs of the original 2D Clone Wars micro-series, and I had let a friend borrow them a while ago, and I was out hanging out with some friends, and this one guy that had borrowed them gave them back to me, and another friend saw them and was like, oh, cool, those are the good ones. And I was like, hey, the new Clone Wars series is good, too. And they were saying how they couldn't really get into it, and I was like, okay, you know what? You can't please everybody. Not everybody's going to love it, but um, you know, for those of us who want to like it and you know, are, are really hoping that this show is good, I mean, I'm, I'm getting pretty excited about it. Yeah, and also, too, in the latest issue of Star Wars Insider, I got my copy a few weeks ago, and they're having a new uh, section in there that's going to give us updates on Star Wars Rebels. Kind of in every issue, give us a little bit of what's going on with the production on it. And in this current issue, um, I'm forgetting the person's name. It's not one of the actual crew members like Simon Kidberg, Greg Wiseman, or Dave Filoni, who actually works on the show. But um, it's actually a line, the line producer. Her name's Athena, who's going to give these updates. And she said that they finally got all the f development finished on the show, and they're actually just started beginning to animate the very first script. So I'm sure that update was done maybe a month or two ago to get ready for the current issue. So who knows? Maybe the first episode is fully done, and or at least close to being done, and they're moving on to more. So it's good to know that animation is officially started because in the past comic convention you'd hear Pablo Hidalgo or even Dave Filoni at Celebration Europe saying we haven't even started animation yet we're still very early on but good to know that they're at that stage now so maybe some footage to come soon we'll just have to wait and see yep <laughs> but also random update 53 seconds left on my KOTOR update nice you'll be playing it <laughs> plenty of time by the time this episode's done yep maybe while we're still recording <laughs> <laughs> yeah I don't know about that but, but um yeah, so is there any more uh, any more updates you want to talk about? Because before we go, we've just got an email to read. Yeah, the only other things I'll say from the Star Wars Insider issue was that um, she did make a comment saying that we're, of course, going to get new characters, but we're also going to see some familiar faces in there, too, in the main ensemble. So I, we've heard some talk about that, but I think this might have been the first time where someone officially involved has said that there will be familiar faces as part of the main cast. So I thought that was pretty cool. Then in that same issue, in an interview with Greg Wiseman, he did mention that two of the main characters are going to be females. So that just, I couldn't help but wonder if one of those main char female characters might be one of those familiar faces in Ahsoka. I don't know. <laughs> maybe Possibly. it's just wishful thinking. Yeah, but maybe. that's like the ultimate... Uh, I guess Clone Wars fan service, if you will, if she's part of the main cast. Right, yeah. Ahsoka's the one who starts the Rebel Alliance. Yeah. <laughs> and it's also interesting, too, that this has kind of been known already, but for some reason it's been coming up coming up a lot lately in Twitter is if the Force Unleashed is going to be in canon and will it tie into Rebels? And Pablo Hidalgo has been saying, no, it's not in canon anymore. We kind of already established that and said that in the season five uh Onderon arc in clone wars so don't expect too many tie-ins to the force at least or to have it all connect together nicely that's been pretty much um written out of canon i guess wait what did Onderon have to do with the force unleashed oh i guess because they were saying that that was sort of the very beginnings of the rebellion or something exactly yeah that's the kind of the point they're yeah. making well 
you know what? I liked The Force Unleashed, but I did kind of have a problem with the fact that it takes place maybe like a year and a half before A New Hope and the rebellion is just getting started. And I was like, wait, really? Like, they didn't come together a little bit sooner than that? And, you know, Starkiller was the one that had to pull them all together. Um, so, you know, I, I would think that they could maybe make some parts of that work, even if, I mean, obviously if the rebellion starts earlier than it did in the force unleashed, I don't have them. I don't have a problem with them changing the canon on that, but I still think it would be awesome to see Darth Vader training a secret apprentice to hunt down Jedi in the same time period. Oh yeah, definitely. (laughs) Hopefully that could still remain intact. And even the whole rebel Alliance thing, I agree exactly what you said but it was still kind of seeing it actually happen in the game where you see Bail Organa actually say, we declare this a rebellion, and you just really see it officially start. But like you said, yeah, it was pretty late in the game and pretty close to A New Hope where it officially got together. So Yeah, well, especially because in the deleted scenes of Episode 3, we see scenes with like Padme and Bail Organa and Mon Mothma coming together to try to, basically to get Palpatine to try to give up some of his power, and it's... You know, obviously, it's not a, a full-on rebellion trying to overthrow the government, but it's a group of people who don't like what's going on, and they're doing something about it. And then, obviously, that doesn't work, and Palpatine creates an empire. And I'm like, and you guys just sat around for the next 16 years and did nothing? I know. It's kind of hard to believe. <laughs> yeah. But even in the Greg Wiseman uh, interview video that we were talking about, he actually says that we're going to see, not just in the first season, but throughout multiple seasons— the Rebel Alliance forming and getting, uh, I guess, different people together to help create the Rebel Alliance. So it's going to be an ongoing theme throughout the whole series. It's not going to be something where just in the first season it gets set up and it's all ready to go. So it's going to be developed throughout the course of the series, which I think is the better way to go. Yeah, yeah. I think it's definitely going to be cool to see that progression. Yeah, and I guess the last thing, we mentioned it earlier, that Talking Llama Disney XD commercial. (laughs) If you heard that smack, that was my hand hitting my head. (laughs) (laughs) It's funny, though, that the video has since been taken down since it's been posted. I guess they didn't want it revealed so soon. But in that commercial, it was like Disney XD advertising all their upcoming Saturday morning cartoons. And just real quickly, they had the Rebels logo. And then you see the ghost flying out, being chased by some TIE fighters and that Rapping Llama made some terrible rhymes about Rebels, which I don't remember what they were. They were so bad. But <laughs> yeah, Thankfully, you warned me about that ahead of time, and so I watched the video on mute. <laughs> Good idea. But, you know, it, it wasn't even, like, any animation. It was just sort of like – it was like a rough 2D animation where they took a picture of the ghost and a picture of a TIE fighter and just kind of moved them across a wall. Yeah. So <laughs> we didn't get to see any re- actual footage from the show in there. And you're kind of hoping they would shoot the llama or something. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> But <laughs> put the that only guy thing in a to get out of it was that, and let him fight. Yeah. <laughs> but the only thing that was we can get out of that commercial was that it was for their Saturday morning lineup. So as of right now, maybe Rebels is planned for to air on Disney XD on Saturday mornings. Of course it could change, but judging by that horrible commercial, that's what we're looking at right now. But if you're dying to watch it, I think you might be out of luck because, like I said, it's been since pulled down. <laughs> yeah, somebody might have it somewhere on YouTube, but you can just take our word for it that as of now, it seems like Rebels is going to air on Saturday mornings and you can take it from us and not the llama. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, so, um, yeah, we've had a lot of updates to cover in this episode. Not a whole lot of huge stuff. Obviously, we're still waiting on the Clone Wars bonus content and when, you know, an announcement about when we're going to get to see that. And obviously still waiting on some big Episode 7 announcements as far as casting and storyline and all that kind of stuff. But, um, you know, we've had quite a few small updates just to keep you guys posted on rumors and video games and all that good stuff. And uh, before we go, we've got another piece of fan mail, the uh, a rare occurrence for us, but it's always nice to hear from the fans. And uh, this is a nice email we got from Martin, I think, Martin or Martin. Um, and he says, hello, Star Wars fans. My, my name is Martin, and I've been a big fan of your podcast since episode one. I started listening on Frontlines and really enjoy your core group of Star Wars fans. As a fellow filmmaker in this day and age, I know it always helps me to hear feedback from anyone who sees my work, so I just wanted to leave you guys a positive email to keep up the awesome work. The thing I take away most from your podcast is that you guys are genuine Star Wars fans. You don't really care about what other fans say or what the majority thinks. You have your own opinions and you speak them in a fun and articulate manner. 
I'm looking forward to listening to any future episodes, and maybe I'll catch you guys at Celebration 7 or Anaheim. It'll be my first celebration, and I can't wait. Happy holidays, guys. Sincerely, Martin Alleman. I think I pronounced that right, and if I didn't, I'm sorry. But uh, thank you so much for the email and for the kind words. Uh, Glad you're enjoying the podcast. Happy holidays to you, too. And, uh, yeah, hopefully maybe we'll get to see you and some of our other listeners at Celebration. Um, you know, I know, Tim, it'll be your first one, too. And for me, I'm yep. definitely looking forward to making the return trip. Uh, that'll be a ton of fun. So, uh, man, now I'm getting all excited about that again, thinking about Celebration. But, um, yeah, I don't need to go on a Celebration tangent at the end of this episode. Yeah. <laughs> that could last for hours. Yeah, yeah. It's just another one of those great things to look forward to in the next two years. <laughs> so much good stuff. Yeah, yeah. But uh, again, thank you, Martin, for the email. And uh, if yeah, any of you guys thanks. want to send us emails, you can email us at kyle at clonewarspodcast.com or tim at clonewarspodcast.com. And, uh, you know, send us feedback. Let us know what you think. Like Martin said, it definitely helps to have feedback from the listeners and uh, just hear what people think and enjoy or criticize or whatever about our show. Um, and yeah, I would say I enjoy doing a, a podcast where we can just be genuine Star Wars fans and just give our opinion on things. And if we disagree with the masses, then fine, we're going to give our opinions and just love Star Wars as much as we do. So, Exactly. Well said. And I'm <laughs> glad we're coming off as genuine, too, because I would hate to be thought of as phony Star Wars fans. That would hurt. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Especially because I am definitely not a phony Star yeah. Wars fan. I, yeah, I have okay. the probably have some old pictures of me somewhere with Star Wars toys as a kid to prove it. Yeah, and I actually got some very old home video of me with like three or four years old where my parents surprised me with the toy job of the hut playset. Still <laughs> <laughs> mean walking into the room with like my mouth dropping and just being shocked at seeing a job of the hut toy. <laughs> nice. Yeah, I don't know if I have any home video of Star Wars stuff. I might. If I do, it's all on cassette tape, which I don't think we even have a cassette player anymore. But, um, but yeah, it's it's definitely uh, it's always good to be a Star Wars fan. But this is especially a good time to be a Star Wars fan with all this new exciting stuff coming up. Oh yeah, without question, we're living in the golden age. I would say. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's about to be a new golden age. But uh, yeah, thank you guys for listening and. Um, you know, we gave out our email address. You can also follow us on Twitter at Star Wars TSC. You can look us up on Facebook at Star Wars The Saga Continues. And uh, I don't know, we might have a new episode out before the end of the year, uh, depending on what new info comes out. But um, probably, you know, there usually isn't a whole lot of big stuff around this time of year. So this might be our last one for the year. But, uh, you know, it's been another great year of podcasting Star Wars and uh, happy holidays to you guys. Merry Christmas. Happy New Year. Happy Wookiee Life Day. Um, (laughs) And, uh, yeah, whenever we get some news that's worth reporting, we'll be back with another episode. And until then, may the force be with you and we will see you guys next time. See you later, everyone. 